Welcome to this episode of Let's Chat. I'm your host, Chris Revel, coming from the Cat Cave in Providence, Rhode Island. We have a wonderful episode today. We have Amy, author Amy Shea, and we'll have a special guest host who will pop in a few times, uh, past guest Matthew Pasinich. A really fun episode. Um, this was the first episode I recorded remotely in, oh man, probably like a year. Uh, for those who are somewhat new to the show, I record at the What Cheer Writers Club in Providence, Rhode Island. Uh, it is currently closed for, you know, for any, whenever this is being listened to, it is closed at the moment because of all the shit show that the world is. But we're going to, we're going to, we're going to not talk about that stuff. We're going to, we're going to have a, let's, let, let's let this be an escape. So I do apologize. The next handful of episodes are not going to sound as good as I'd like them to be. Uh, working on getting a Zoom microphone for home problem with that is you have to pay for it and i'm unable to do that at the moment we do have a paypal account which is uh, paypal.com slash let's chat podcast we will accept donations uh, if you want sticker magnets send us a buck we will send them right to you also if you want stickers and magnets for just free which you totally can have um Go on to Facebook or Podchaser or Apple Podcasts, anywhere that you, or Stitcher, anywhere you can leave a review and leave a review and take a screenshot, send it to at uh, Let's Chat Podcast on one of our DMs on uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Let's Chat Podcast at gmail.com for the email, and we'll send you off some merch immediately. But in the meantime, the next, uh, the other episode, this episode uh, was a bit of a learning curve. Samantha's audio came out fire. Um, it was me. I had now I've learned a little bit better to move some stuff around so the next episodes will be great uh, I've got a fuck ton of episodes recorded so if you're still listening wondering if the show is gonna just disappear uh, not anytime soon we got I've got episodes recorded all the way until May and um, there's some pretty cool shit coming up well one of, you know fuck it let's just tell you uh, one that was recorded was the Dan Kozu, who is one of my favorite writers for The Hard Times. We also recorded a great podcast with Griffin Newman. Yeah, uh, the Griffin Newman from The Tick and uh, Blank Check Podcast, which is possibly my favorite podcast. Uh, Ed Botcha from NR is coming back. Tack, Tack Van Zickel from The Very Brady Podcast, who's been on this show many years ago, is coming back on. Alex Shoemaker is coming on, a great comic artist. God, who else have I ever recorded with? You know, my brain's its not all there. I've actually recorded a few more that I'm, I'm, I'm drawing a blank on, so I apologize if I'm forgetting that. But, yeah, we got some big, um, hopefully some Folly, we've got some of the members of Folly are going to be coming back on. Those are in the process of setting up, um, trying to get some more music people, some bigger names. But, yeah, we know we're, we're doing it. We're doing it good. And, and who is this we? Well, Let's Chat is now actually a team. Uh, we have my copy editor, Max Baines, social media guru, Christopher Ball, Producer Brianna Benjamin of Benjamin Typist and executive producer Will Forcer, and uh, yeah, we got a lot of shit going on. But uh, in the meantime, it's not about me. Uh, make sure you follow author Amy Shea, who is fantastic. She brings what we like to call what I call the highest compliment is the fire. Uh, Amy brings the fire. Holy shit, does this girl love Supernatural? And um, I let, I gave her a pitch, and I think I'm gonna have to watch Supernatural. It sounds really great. Um, but yeah, you could purchase her book for pre-order on Amazon. Her website, her website is slash amyshay amazoncom author amyshay amyshay08 on Facebook, amyshay author on Instagram, amyshay on Twitter. I'll post all that stuff somewhere, so don't worry about remembering it. 
But I just want you to remember Amy Shea. Uh, yeah, what a wonderful, talented human being who happens to be my sister-in-law. And fuck, does this girl write a lot. Um, it's so great. I love, I just love it. I love talking to people with a passion. And this is just, um, it's, it's, it's kind of cool to say now that, uh, yeah, no, it totally runs in the family. It's it's cool. It's it, it's credited. Everyone in my family, we all have like the we all got hobbies. It's it's cool. Like uh, my like my you know in case you know I don't talk about this enough. But my dad has a radio show, uh, a folk music show at WESU at Wesleyan University that you can listen to on TuneIn. But uh, that's pretty fun. Well, anyway, we're actually doing a giveaway as well. If you would like to win a signed copy paperback of the Broken Daughter, leave a comment on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. What episode? Um, Leave a comment with the episode that Samantha. Leave a comment with the episode that soup. Leave a comment about the ep. Leave a comment for the episode that Amy Shea refers to of Supernatural, and uh, so yeah, listen to this when we start talking about Supernatural. Keep your ears open. She's gonna reference an episode. Leave us that comment, and you can enter to win a signed copy of The Broken Daughter. Anyway, well, let's get to it. about you um your writers really kind of um excuse me your writers really kind of like um i i don't understand it because i do a podcast which is a ton of fun but like right in my head it's easier to get someone to listen to something than it is to read something and writing mm -hmm. takes so much time it like, really does um so my schedule is really crazy because I do have a day job, um, which is I leave the house at about 6.40 every morning. I don't get home till about 5.30. Um, and then, you know, from that point, it's just like a wind down. Dinner is not until 7. Um, and then anytime maybe after 8 to 10 is when I'm writing, which makes the process a whole lot longer, right? Because I'm only writing two hours a day. Um, so really a lot of my writing happens over the weekend. Um, and it's this, I didn't have this before, which is why I went back and unpublished a few things. So because I'm doing a second master's degree in writing, um, specifically creative writing and literature, um, I've learned a few things and there is like this 10 page planning guide that I now follow, which flushes out all the characters all the plot points, major scenes that are going to happen in the novel. It, there's like a whole character survey as if you were the character. How would you answer the survey, which is about 10 pages long, but it really helps you learn who your characters are. So a lot of it comes from like taking all of that. No, that's fine. So a lot of it comes from just like taking all of that planning stuff now and asking yourself, well, what are words? <laughs> What, what's your process are you uh like it sounds like you kind of have to like you're you're like me and uh, many people you're an adult and have other stuff so like are you very you have to like kind of like well so creativity is so strange because it's not 
I guess that's the difference from makes like a writer or someone who does it professionally versus hobbyist. Like, um, inspiration doesn't always strike. So you are, are you someone who sets aside two hours? Like I'm writing and if it's garbage, it's garbage. Yes. Um, so I took a creative writing class once for a grade, a second time just to be closer to, um, Matthew, who is now my husband. Um, and the one thing she taught us was, um, she'd always give us five minute, um, writing warmups and it could be about anything. Sometimes it was a prompt she put on the board. Sometimes it was a stream of consciousness. Oh, like a f free writing? Yeah. My yeah. old professor, so I did my creative writing class, we did that, and it was so helpful. I actually, whenever I would have yeah. to write any of my papers, that's how it would start. I would do, like, five minutes of just, like, scribbling or just, because, I don't know, it helped, like, clear the mind. Yes, exactly, and the stream of consciousness is just that. It's, like, every thought that pops into your head, and usually by the end of the five minutes, you have, like, an actual monologue going. So usually I'll do that, and I'll, like, step into, okay, well, I have this idea, Here's the character, so I kind of step into their mind and do a free write as them. And more often than not, that usually becomes the first page or so. It just, but like an edited version. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're, um, so let's let's actually start from the beginning because that's the thing I'm curious about. Is um, yeah, I know you're born, raised in New York, all that fun stuff. But like, where does yeah. uh, where does this passion for writing come from? It, can you pinpoint it? Is there like a moment? Was it just one of those things you're like, I've just always written? Dude, I have always written. Um, my best memory where I can actually completely pinpoint it is it was take your daughter to work day. Aww. I went to work with my mom. I was about, I want to say like maybe – eight or nine because mom hasn't worked since I was about 12 13 it's got to be like eight or nine and um I wrote a story about this girl that goes to the park with a dog and a cat and everybody at her job loves it probably just because I was an eight-year-old writing and they thought it was cute um and I had like all these pictures and um mom showed me how to use the coffee machine that day and everybody asked for a copy of this book and Aww. i copied it off and used mom's heavy duty duty stapler and stapled it together and just passed it out to everybody in her office <laughs> it's like that's where i really pinpoint it that's so cute yeah it, it kind of is I, it was, so it was, I also remember the outfit i was wearing that day which is like this all velvet outfit it was red Pants and top, um, long sleeves, and it had like purple butterflies all over it. Do you have a picture of this particular day, or is this like, uh, do you ever do that thing like you remember something and then you're like, nope, that was wrong? <laughs> Funny thing about it is, I actually have a um, like a picturesque memory. Never got it tested, but I there are certain points in my life if they're very important or have impacted me in a certain way. I can remember the entire memory as if I was in it, down to the outfits and down to the smells. Yeah, yeah, that's um, from what we know, memory. It's actually, which is insanely unreliable, but that was not the point. But uh, about memories, uh, <laughs> memories are actually more. But the memories are connected to emotion more than anything. Like um, exactly. If you ever watch, there's a great special on Netflix called The Mind Explained, and um, it oh, has a really... I definitely want to catch that, because I have a bachelor's degree in psychology, and uh, it's screaming at me to watch. <laughs> it's, like, good. Like, you know, it's one of those things that um, c could be totally something you would have to watch in school, 
but it's right. actually good. Like, Nemo, uh, it's like, I, I just love documentaries in general. It is fucking fascinating. They have like a whole, excuse me, like a whole series, but they have a whole episode on memory, which was, um, it's probably, it was the more, the more interesting one. And like, about like, there's a girl on there who had a memory of, uh, of watching the Twin Towers fall. And then it oh, had wow. turned out that she was, like, in Connecticut or whatever. And it wasn't that she was lying. It was just memory can get, like, mixed up. And the your memory, the, the like, the wiring yeah. of your brain or whatever was more of her seeing – gets confused with her seeing it on TV so much kind of gets replaced as an actual memory. And it's it's really interesting. I think the, um, yeah. that show, the, the Dreams one, I think, is actually the one – there's two episodes I recommend to everyone, especially when I'm working at, like, my job uh, – it's the the microdosing. Well, that one I don't recommend at work, but I would like to. The microdosing episode and the um, oh my god, the the dreams one. The dreams one was the one that really took me back. I'm gonna have to definitely watch that. Actually, for my um, because I didn't mention I was going back for a second master's. So one of the um classes I'm taking this semester is called literary theory, and we had to take. Theories such as psychoanalysis by Freud, um, so uh, what is it? Marxism, which is Karl Marx, feminism, which um, one of the big people in that was like Helene Tussaud, and um, and then deconstructionism. And mm-hmm. according to Freud, um, he says like dreams are really connected to our reality and the things that rely um, that lie back in our subconscious. They all come forward in dreams as little symbols. So he was going, um, he said that he had a dream about his wife um, who had like, there was like this book that was on his bedstand that he had seen earlier that day that reminded him of her. And then in the dream, there was also like this plant and she liked to plant. So it's like the whole dream just kind of was all symbolic of her. And yeah, it's just like mind-boggling. It's in the in the doc to talk about how up until I think three hundred years ago, we thought dreams were voices from the gods, like um, something around that lines. Uh, so like, there's a lot of different theories, and they they still uh, it all comes kind of down to like we don't really know. Like some some believe it's um your brain is just deleting data in a way, and you're just kind of mashing it together. But right. um, it's interesting. Like the subconscious right. stuff's really fun. The microdosing episode is fascinating. Um, which is for okay. people who do like uh, psilocybin, which is like mushrooms, uh, for like a th- for therapeutic stuff. But um, to add, right. and uh, so I ha- I talk about this on the show a lot as well. But um, like so, there's different ways to access your subconscious. One is microdosing, which is drugs. But the other ways to right. kind of get to that same part of the brain is um, EMDR therapy, which I have just completed. Then there's uh, meditation okay. and hypnosis, and they do this really cool right. thing in the. Um, in a doc where they kind of explain how they, how brain, the brain works. I kind of like a ski, like a, the example is like a ski, a ski slope. And then, um, you know, your thoughts kind of get stuck in these tracks and how there's like different ways to kind of put powder some fresh snow on them, if you will. And like, it helps some people like really tra- cool. trauma and anxiety. And, um, I was watching it. I'm like, that's what I did without the mushrooms. <laughs> Cause I've never, but that sounds really cool. yeah, get my hand on that's so cool. Because I mean, I, so that's one of the things I, I, mean, I think about that. Like for for your writer folk, is like it's only going to be more of an arsenal the more knowledge you have to about yeah. anything, really. Which yeah. is um so, and I, I mean, some of my favorite uh, to anything, like especially like, in any of my like all, all my favorite arts, dream sequences are always like the most fun. 
Yes. Like Dream sequences, you, there's so much you can play with in a dream, especially when you're an author and you and as long as you're an author who uses figurative language and really plays with rhetoric, the dream sequences can be phenomenal because because in and of themselves dreams are symbolic, right? So now add in all that figurative language and that makes it even more symbolic. So there's like it's kind of like an inception but with words. It's like meaning after meaning after meaning which makes it even just even more mind-blowing. Oh, right. It's so funny. You said Inception. I just thought of the movie. And then um, after watching The Mind Explained and, like, have now kind of gone through this, like, weird EMDR experience, I'm like, oh, yeah, Christopher Nolan definitely did some mushrooms. Like, everything yeah. he does, like, if, if you've ever seen, or I don't know if you saw Interstellar, like, um, a lot of the themes of within Inception and Interstellar are all kind of those, like, subconscious mind which is the part of the mind we just don't know it's oh my god it's fucking right. fascinating but it's i'm gonna hard. have to check out interstellar because i haven't seen that one yet i've seen inception because i'm a huge leonardo dicaprio fan um so yes. I've seen, like every one of his movies i haven't missed one yet Did even you... the infamous basketball diaries which is completely nuts to begin with did you listen to him on wtf with mark Marin like uh last month or the month before i have not but i do have it saved in my favorite so i do have to um i do have to listen to that so it was insane because, like, like everyone, I'm I like Leo. He's great, but I don't think right. I've ever heard him talk outside of like, like outside of movies and maybe like a talk show. So it was yeah, because he doesn't really do interviews or anything no. like that. He's barely at award shows. He's a surprisingly so. normal guy, and it was kind of bummed me out. And he talked about like his dad, which I had no idea was like this underground comic book artist. So he grew up in like the weird alt like comic book like art scene of like los angeles and like but it was just so weird because like he's like this mythic guy i mean like i mean i grew up on growing pa well growing pains wasn't that important to me but like you know Tit right. titanic was you know he I, I didn't really love it but it was everywhere and he became you know he's like this guy you know and then he just starts yeah. talking and i'm like oh you're just like a really handsome dude <laughs> i i can't wait so i have to like listen to that because the titanic is actually on tonight so i'm like forfeiting titanic just to be here now <laughs> i'm sorry what, what was on tonight titanic is actually on tonight and i oh. know the whole movie word for word for word yeah um and every time it's on i have to watch it so like praise yourself that i'm here instead of there <laughs> totally totally only saw that in theaters when i was like 13 to see boobs oh i was like five when i saw it yeah, and I was born in '93, and then it came out on VHS, and I remember going to uh, Blockbuster, yep. and it was like a two VHS. <laughs> it's like two VHS. That's right, it was two of them, and you. Oh my God! Yes, I will never forget that. And then my mom bought me the um, Titanic CD, and I listened to "My Heart Will Go On" by Celine Dion over and over and over to the point where the CD would no longer work. I, I even love like Newfound Glory does the cover of that song that I love and like and and that was like that moment where we're all like secretly being like well you know I guess I don't want you to know that I kind of secretly love Celine Dion. Well, you know when it's sung by Newfound Glory, it's a little bit more acceptable, right? Yeah, yeah, you know, okay. Newfound Glory is a shit. <laughs> but like, but Celine, if, yeah, that's a, that that's the song comes on. You're like, ah, it's. I mean, yeah. that's. I feel like Titanic has reached a point culturally where, like, there's certain things, like, I've seen it, but there's things, like, I've never seen, but I know the reference points to it. And I think, like, you okay. can, at this point, you cannot see Titanic, but get the references. 
Yes. Like I, never see, get the, the like, I never saw The Godfather, but I, I understand the majority of the famous references from, like, mostly, like, you know, from, like, Simpsons and, and movies and whatnot. Right. And stuff like that, which is, it's so, it's so, I mean, it's just, like, one of those things. Like, it's, like, a cultural touch. The Godfather touchdown. is a must-see. You have to do that because it's, The Godfather is just, it's amazing. Um, we watch them all the time. It's one of mom's favorite movies. Um, so whenever it's on, I think, like, part two is her favorite one, but... It well, is not Italian. Yeah, yeah. So you gotta even you're Italian. You gotta watch it. I still have. I know. And and um and 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 like I live like in Rhode Island or I live in Providence. They sh- they do like a yearly showing outside every year. And I just never go. Oh, you you definitely gotta go. Definitely gotta go. It is every Italian's rite of passage to see The Godfather. I'm afraid. I'm I'm just I'm just afraid. I'm not gonna like it. I I, I like no, Hamilton. You can like it. Yeah, I, I do like I Hamilton. I don't ever want to see Hamilton because I don't want to be like the one person who doesn't like it. No, I think you're gonna like The Godfather. Yeah. Um, it's you know there is like a lot of shooting and a lot of killing, but the storyline. I like is a good shooting killing. Amazing. The storyline is really amazing. I mean, it deals with everything from like from like the the treatment of women to like it's the abuse that he has for his wife. But then it's like that family bond where it's like it's my sister that you're hitting, so I'm gonna go kill you. You know, so there is like a lot of underlying subplots that really make it like you're watching real true events of every day unfold in like, you Mm -hmm. know, mobster world. Now, as a as a writer, does that affect the way you, you you probably just can't watch TV anymore, right? Like, are you not good at just like you and Matt can't just snuggle up and watch like reality, like watch something because like you're like, you know how the sausage made is essentially. You know what? I I do love a good crime show. So Matt's not really a TV person, so he really couldn't care less unless it's like Supernatural, Supergirl, Batwoman. Or Mandalorian, um, but... hopefully. Finally, Matthew. <laughs> we are on like... Ch- uh, oh, oh, Matt's here! Three. Hey! We're on episode three. We are on episode three. Oh my god! Um, anyone not listening, that's uh, f- past guest Matt Pasinich. Wait, yeah. am I cutting that out? Yeah, I'm just very quiet. Never mind. Uh, <laughs> I don't know, we'll figure that. But oh my god, yeah, we all we, we um we all rag on you for not watching it up here at home. No, he's you know what? We've just been so busy between his school, my school, the writing, work, playing so, video games. Which yeah, he doesn't do anymore. Don't let him fool you. He's barely playing. Well, I mean. It seems like you have that, that that kind of like you that good personality and sense of like you're able to just say like I'm going to do this for two hours and actually do it, whereas like yeah. uh, I'm more of like, mm, do I want to play? I mean, don't get me wrong. Like Matt's gonna be he'll like send me those memes of you should be writing. Um, <laughs> for, the <most> part, <laughs> for the most part, um, it's just that it, especially like the new story that I'm the new book that I'm working on that's currently on pre order. Um, it, it just blossomed to the point where I could not get it out of my head. I had to write it down. So th- there are like three notebooks stapled together, the little spiral notebooks of just all this, the stuff I had to hand write because I just could not get away from the story. Oh, that, so that's something I had ju- just learned in, uh, uh, maybe about a month ago, I, a couple episodes back, whenever this comes out. I interviewed author uh, Vanessa Lilly, and she like yes, her I book. Saw 
and her book like had maybe just come out around this time, but like the way I I was learning how publishing works, I am so sorry for you that you have to bust your ass for all these years, write a book, put it out, and there's no turnaround. It's like you have to write the book, and then she has to simultaneously be promoting the book while writing the second one. We're like bands don't have to do that. Like usually, if you're in a band, you go on tour and then you come back and right. then you write the album. But like authors, I didn't. That's so fucked up. Like you're literally right now, you're on this to pr- promote a book while writing the other book that's already up for pre-order. That's not fair. So for me, I, is she traditionally published? Because I'm not. So it's a uh, Amazon. She told me. Okay, so I I do Amazon too, but I guess because I am I'm in it for my passion of writing, not for the I want to be not saying that she is, but I I don't care about so much being in like the social media light and having one book right after the next, after the next, after the next. So for me, it's like I'm gonna write a book, I'm gonna push it out, I'm gonna see how well it's received. And then if it's not well received, I'm going to sit back and ask myself why. And then I'm going to go into writing the next book. Whereas That's... if it's um, like a series, which I'm working on now, The Broken Daughter is one in a trilogy, and I have the entire trilogy planned, now that it's on pre-order, I'm going to write the second book because it's already planned out. But if it's a standalone, there's going to definitely be time in between where I'm maybe working on my first series or I'm jumping between series trying to figure out which one would be the next fit to hit that one. Cause you always want the next book, especially if it's the same, if it's another book in the same genre to be bigger than the one before it, you always want to have a better receiving end than the one before. Yeah. But I think that's so mean for you guys. Like, can't you just get a break? <laughs> you know, Amazon is and an, Again, it depends on what your team is. Right now, I'm I am just me and maybe four other people where it's like ten dollars, twenty dollars here, just to have them help me promote, which I'm not gonna be able to afford after this month because that was all my editing money I got and I've kind of used it all to really bump up the broken daughter. So when you're the only one promoting your work to stay out there, you gotta belt out one book after the next, after the next. How you gotta I- keep your name relevant and people are just gonna forget about you. What was what was your uh, process to getting into like um like what what would you say your style is? It's, it's, I mean, erotica is that the correct word? For me, it was, and that was how I got known. And then I hated it honestly because it was like at that point I was writing what was selling, and I wasn't writing for me, and I hated it. It made me miserable. I literally axed the erotica, not writing like that anymore. So now I'm more true to myself. I'm sticking with dark fantasy, uh, high fantasy, and paranormal because that's who I am. And I like to take the tropes and kind of throw them out the window. Mm -hmm. So in my newest book, um, it is fantasy taking place in medieval era in a completely fictional world named Dramolux. Uh, give, uh, give, give yourself a quick plug. Yeah. Uh, which book are you referring to? You authors always forget this part. <laughs> Every the author I ever talk to does this. <laughs> yeah. So the book I'm referring to is The Broken Daughter, which is currently on pre-order. It is the first book in the Cursed Kingdom series. And it takes place in a fictional world known as Dramolux. And all of the main characters are women. The men are kind of like in a backseat. Like he's there to kind of be like, 
Um, your mother called me in to support you. So that's kind of why I'm here. But then she's kind of like, well, I don't really know who you are. So mm, you can wait. Like, I'll talk to you later. So it's, it's more about women empowerment in a fantasy world where you normally see men and Vikings and Harry Potter. And I switched it all up. Like, it's not Harry Potter. She's not even Katniss because Katniss does not have two men beside her. You know, Katniss has two men beside her, but my character does not. She has two women beside her who are fighting with her. And damned be everybody else. Is writing like a therapeutic thing or is it just like fun? For me, it is both. Um, so if I've had a rough day, writing is the first thing I want to do when I come home. Or if I'm just sitting on the computer, just little lazying around it'll be like oh there's an idea i'm gonna open up that word doc now and just stop start typing so it really doesn't matter what mood i'm in it just it it comes to me naturally i mean one thing i i love whenever we've talked um not on mic because uh we're uh have our, like friends and stuff <laughs> uh, we, we know each other outside of this podcast episode is that we're both like kind of in that world of people who like have lives and jobs, but then do this like passion thing. And I mean, right. I love, I love talking to people like about that stuff. Like, you know, there's only in all reality, there's only what, like a handful of people who actually get to do the thing they love for like a living. And like, I very much yeah. love what I do, but it's not the creative outlet of it, but like there's more of us people like us. Um, so I guess mm -hmm. my question for is, um, how long until your friends were like, stop telling, stop, just stop. <laughs> I, I, I took, I think it took me like a year before any, when everyone was just like, we're not going to listen. Stop talking about it. Like you have to do this weird thing where you have to like, when you first start an endeavor, like writing or a podcast or any sort of art yeah. where like all your friends and family, like, Oh, so cool. And after a certain point, they all kind of fall off, which I found some freedom within it. And right. then, um, and then you all of a sudden like have to like kind of start over, but then you end up building these like amazing communities. It's so, like, what, what yeah. has been your experience? I mean, like, I mean, I know you live like in New York and stuff, but like, so you have all the, there's like always people around, but like, what kind of communities have you been able to build? Like, I feel like you, you and Matt and I are very similar. We have lots of online friends. Like I have tons of friends I've actually yeah. never met in person. I have a producer for this podcast that I've never actually met, but we talk every single day. Oh, wow. See, that is amazing. Um, so, you know, it's kind of, I want to say that my, you know, my husband is my best friend, uh, hands down. Um, and we were best friends before we dated, before we got married. Um, so he was always wedding, by the way, people. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and when we were friends, he was a writer too, and he still is. He just does fan fiction and refuses to publish anything other than fan fiction. We're going to rectify that this year, though. He's I gonna have trouble doing original things, and that's why I do fan fiction. He's, Don't at me, bro. He is, going, <laughs> he is going to do something with me this year, whether I have to, like, I know. drive has, by the arm or not. Your husband's but, one of those, like, annoyingly talented people. Yeah. Yeah, who doesn't realize his work. And then I'll do our own cover. Thank you. Yes. And then... He'll like write a whole entire chapter for the broken daughter and be like, "Well, that was amazing." Well, yeah, you genius, you know how to write. Um, but can I have give you my can I give you my uh, armchair expert theory on that? 
Um, yes. uh, Matt, your, your mom, no, or we call Nona, by the way, save, save this episode tonight because like 10 minutes before I couldn't find headphones and I <laughs> ran downstairs and she gave me a pair of headphones to use, which she saved my ass. Thank you, Nona. If you listen, oh, but, um, thank you, mom. Well, uh, so I, 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 she like, so anyone who doesn't know, she is just like this most amazing baker and the t- cook baker, like, and not just like, oh, good. I mean, like, literally, could be professional. If she ever wanted to go that route, and she'll just yeah. say something like, "Oh, it's so easy," and you have to like, kind of like, I don't think it's mean. I think it is. It's easy for her, and like it's easy sometimes, for her. I, and then you look at a recipe and you're like, "Oh, mom, no." <laughs> yeah, I was like, I don't even know how to make eggs. Like, I I can't cook. I'm like, I I literally have no idea what she's saying to me a third of the time, and I have to like stop her. I'm like, she's like, I'm like, no, no, I do not. Like, this is not easy you just made like some i don't know whatever they're making on the great british bake-off or whatever <laughs> but, but matt you see the the same way too because like i guess it's you're always you in your head so like it's easy for you but like the rest of us should be like that's not easy i don't understand yeah. how you did that like, i don't understand how either of you do anything you do let me tell you chris before he got involved in my writing my description was non-existent like my books were just like a whole chunk of dialogue, three sentences of description, and then more dialogue. And he was just like, what is this? And then like, he was like, here, read some of my stuff. So I read some of his, and I was like, how did you just make me hear her voice when all you have is description and she didn't say a word? Like, how do you do that? And he really taught me how to write description or else I, no one would buy a single copy of my work and give it even a three-star review. Yeah, all so, of the signatures are fucking crazy good writers and they don't believe me when I tell yes. them that. No. Victoria, fucking Alex, pa- I mean, Papa, obviously. Yeah. Yes. Oh, isn't it weird that uh, your, your, our father-in-law and your, your dad is uh, part of a writer's club? That yeah, is Yeah, that so is cool. really cool. That is At- so cool. To make it even weirder, him and I are part of the same writers' club. <laughs> oh, that is hilarious! I, they have a podcast studio, so that's why my involvement and it comes through that route, not routing. But it's just like he, right. uh, I, he, he, I, but I was like, Papa, you got to go to the sci-fi group because I, I met the and then and now we go. But like, I think it's incredible. Uh, but it's I think that's really cool. Yeah, it's awesome. I give them a lot. I give them a lot exactly of credit. What you're saying about communities, because like, look at the one that they have just in their family. Which is actually kind of reminiscent of, you know, what I grew up with. So um, my dad grew up in Guyana where he was a teacher and a scholar because dad essentially grew up in Guyana when it was ruled by British. So all of their paperwork came from Oxford University and they had to write those exams in order to pass um, standards, which they which we call grades over here. They had to pass like second standard, third standard with all of that paperwork, plus all the teachers' exams and everything. So he is a Shakespeare scholar. He's somebody who can do, um, like you know, like the, that graphing math with all those weird equations. Like my dad can do that in his head, and he can recite Shakespeare soliloquies by rote. And I'm just like, you've never put pen to paper. Why? Like. I, I've got to get it from somewhere, and I bet you it's him if he would just put the pen. Sure. Yeah. You know, and then um, one of my best friends, Derek, um, we met in ninth grade, first day of high school orientation. Like, I'll never forget it. We hit it off right off the bat. He is my writer buddy. So if there's anything I need to talk to about writing, it's Derek, because he'll, like, spit back his. So, like, he'll give me a chapter. 
I'll give him a chapter. And it's like, I don't need any other friend from that because I need somebody to talk about my writing stuff with, as well as the anime stuff, as well as the pop culture, Ariana Grande, and like the supernatural stuff. So he's like all of my friends wrapped into one friend. Sure, sure. Yeah, actually, that, that was um, another thing I wanted to, I was going to allow you, um, I was going to give you one minute to convince me to watch Supernatural. <laughs> one minute to convince you to watch Supernatural. I, well, I'm not really that strict of the time, but I, uh, I, you know, it's, the one, re- one of the many reasons I've never watched it is because there's 700 episodes, or how many, so it's like, where do you start? There, there's like 200 and... That didn't stop her from binge-watching the entire series in, like, three weeks to catch okay, up actually, when she had to watch it again. Actually, it was two weeks, and it was ten seasons, and very little hours of sleep, because there's 22 episodes a season. My love, you're not helping your case here. I'm not helping yeah. your case. It's a little bit insane. Yeah, but that, um, that obsessive quality is uh, what makes great art. Exactly. But, I mean, if you like mythology, if you like, you know, family, if you enjoy a good laugh in the middle of nowhere. If you enjoy tearing your heart out and stabbing it repeatedly with feels, watch Supernatural. Exactly, because you will laugh, cry, and shit your pants in every episode. Because Supernatural is, like, kind of the show that, like for this era of the CW that, like, kind of started... Because if there's no Supernatural, there was, like, the Arrowverse kind of... Like, all, the success of Supernatural leads to, like, what we would call now, like, the Arrowverse. Like, and CW never gets enough recognition. They have some great fucking shit on there. Like, iZombie I is one of our favorites. That, like, like they that name... a lot of good stuff on there. Like, Jane the Virgin is supposed to be very good. I never watched it, but I heard it was good. I we're huge I zombie fans. I used to be really into all the Arrowverse stuff, but but so all right, Supernatural. What's your what's your like elevator pitch of why why I should watch the pilot? I think you should watch the pilot because it's oh man, you know it's it's really hard to say like why because I just enjoyed it right off the bat. I mean, it's just it's family oriented and at the same time very much out there like it it hits your heart right at the first scene and then you're laughing your ass off for the rest of the episode and then by the end you're like what just happened i need to watch the second episode do you remember when we were at comic-con around comic-con there was like the supernatural car i remember like you losing your shit and i was like and then we saw the star wars stuff matt was losing the shit i was like this is why they work together Yes, yes. I like it. It, it's kind of funny because we actually have a picture of me in the super, and I was dressed as Padme Amidala, and Matthew was dressed as Darth Vader, and we took a picture with the supernatural car where I'm where I'm holding the flashlight. Matt has one of the prop guns in his hand, and we recreated one of my favorite scenes from season four, episode six, Ghost Sickness. Um, where Dean is literally infected with ghost sickness and makes him scared of everything. So now you're thinking this six foot two guy who's literally all muscles, scared of a little darkness. And he literally tells his brother, you hold that, I'm going to man the flashlight. And it's one of my favorite scenes. And it's kind of funny that we're dressed as Padme Amidala and Darth Vader holding supernatural props. Is, is he the one that's on Gilmore Girls? Gilmore Girls is uh, is the one who plays Sam, Jared Padalecki. He's actually the reason I watched Supernatural. Because of Gilmore? I was a huge Gilmore Girl fan. And then 
I think it was like that year Gilmore Girls had ended because Supernatural has been on since 2005. It's been a good 15 years. And I was just like, what am I going to do with my life now? And then dad was watching TV and across the, the channels, there's a, there's an episode. And he goes, hey, look, that's Dean from Gilmore Girls. Maybe we should watch this. I've been hooked ever since. That's because that's I didn't get into Gilmore Girls until the reboot after the reboot because we watched Miss Maisel, fall in love with Maisel, and then I was like, I should watch Gilmore Girls, and then um, I just thought it was so funny that that dude like how so he's on Gilmore Girls, gets another job, Gilmore Girls goes yep. off the air, ten years pass, he comes mm-hmm. back for the Gilmore reboot, and Supernatural is still on the air. So hold on, here's a funny thing. Are you ready for this? You wanted a reason to watch Supernatural, right? There is an episode of Supernatural where Sam and Dean, okay, so now the characters themselves, are playing Jared Padalecki and Jensen Ackles in an alternate universe episode who are acting in a really bad version of Supernatural. So it's Sam and Dean acting as Jared Padalecki and and Jensen Ackles acting as Sam and Dean. That is why you should watch Supernatural because it doesn't break the fourth wall; it burns it down. I love that show. They passed the Gilmore Girls set. Get out of here! No, dead serious. It. Um. Oh my gosh! If I could just remember, it's called "The French Mistake." Is the name of the episode. You've got to watch it. Matt, can you confirm that she just did that off the top of her head, and there was no like looking it up? Yeah, no, the only thing open in Chrome is this recording website that we're using. That was all her. All I her memory, it. all her obsession. <laughs> of course, I'm not one to talk. I'm completely upset with Star Wars. Don't at me, bro. <laughs> do you ever do you ever want to like write outside of like the novel? Like do you ever like be like, oh I should write for T V or movies, or is it just I I don't know tons about writing. Like I, I'm not good at it. I don't like it. So that's why I ask. Um, okay, so my problem with is that no, I could never write for TV for the fact that even when a professor says the paper should be no more than two pages, I always hand an eight. Or ten. You're that or student. Oh, you're so that guy. Could you imagine yeah. me trying to write a TV show and they're like, I just need dialogue. Why is there a description? I'm like, because then you don't know what the characters are doing. So there's no, I, I would not be able to do that. So you're an overwriter? Huh? You're a classic overwriter? I'm a classic overwriter. I mean, it, it all, I want to say it all started in college, but it was way before then, but definitely more so in college where we had to write a 10 page research paper on um, anything of choice, but the uh, professor hinted that no one ever does Native American history. So I was like, okay, great. How hard can this be? Um, 25 pages later, I was still not finished, but needed to wrap it up. My good friend in college, my good friend Max uh, Baines was like that in college. Like we had a film class and he would like, it'd be like, I don't know, write a 20 page paper or 15, whatever it is. And he would do like mm-hmm. triple the amount. Yep. Except you said, hard. It's like uh, you're asking me to condense all this information, but then you're asking me to have X amount of sources and X amount of quotes, but then you don't want me to paraphrase, and then you do want my own opinion. So how can I give all of that stuff within your page limit? You know, especially depending on the topic, which can be very heavy, like you know, Native American history, especially if for that paper we were 
focusing on the Sioux, who have been at war with the British for over 100 years. So now you're talking about all of this history and can, and then taking it down to six to eight pages when it can't even, like, that's just the beginning of it. You know, you'll never get to the end of it without giving it, like, the whole 25-page span that it needed. I have a theory that that the reason they do that in academia is just because professors don't want to read that many papers. Like, I think the professor's like, ah, oh, make it 10 pages because, like, I got to grade them. <laughs> I really think yeah. that's, I think that's all it came down to. It's never like about learning. It was just more of like, I only got so many hours in the day. So you motherfuckers right. got to make those five pages. Cause I got to read 20 of them. Exactly. That, that's true too. I never really looked at it that way. So I wonder how many professors actually read my papers and was just like, ah, oh, 25 pages is going to give her an A. You know, I'm not even going to go there. <laughs> And like I think all three of us are in the same boat. Where like we went to like smaller smaller schools in the sense like, you like I like I I didn't my classes were taught by a professor and not like a TA. It wasn't like yeah. a, like a like a Harvard where you like you have this astound professor that you actually never see or meet except the first day, and then the TA. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, like my professors actually had to sit and read every shitty word I wrote. Yeah, yeah. We um I think the most my classes ever had were like 20 students if that so did you grow up in new york city i did i grew up in brooklyn in a little town that's not so little anymore because now it's really on the map where it never was i grew up in greenpoint brooklyn and that's like hipster um, central right not now it, you know what now now it is um but it's also known as little poland um, to natives because it is mainly Pol Polish, Italian, German um, live there, but mainly Polish. Um, my mom grew up in Williamsburg and then moved there. Another hipster neighborhood. I've been in Queens for the past five years. What's that? I've only been in Queens for the past five years. Oh, so I, I so I, I guess for the rest of us, be like, oh my god, what's it like to grow up in New York? But like, you don't know anything different. So for you, you must be like, what's it like growing up in the suburbs? Boring. But, you know, actually, I like it because where, where I am in Queens is closer to Long Island. So we're kind of like the suburbs within the urban area. Like if you go four blocks over, you're kind of in you're, you're kind of entering urban land, which is like your um, Jamaica Avenue is like all stores and things like that. Um, but then when you come closer into where I am, your 20 minute bus ride um, your 20 minute bus ride from the nearest train station. That we went to a really good diner by your house. I forgot the name of it, but I remember that diner. Was it the Triple Crown Diner? Yes. Yeah, we called the Triple Crown because that yes. is like my favorite diner. It was, and because there was a a record label based out of either Brooklyn or Queens called Triple Crown, and that was what made so that memory. That's why I remembered it because I had like this there weird connection. Go. Because my friends, my friends were on that label, and it was like a pretty good sized label. But I remember thinking, like, "Oh, that's so cool! Is that like a thing?" But oh right. my god! But like, um, so growing up in Brooklyn, like, is it like, well, it's, what's that experience? Is it just like growing up anywhere? It's so different because Brooklyn is is very it's it's urban where I was. So it was industrial, and in, so like I lived on this block, and then behind it was all warehouses when I was growing up. Um, with like a pillow factory, who was selling steel on this side, who was selling wood on that side. And then um, across the street from my house was a playground and a school. So 
So all my my elementary school, my junior high school, and my high school were all within walking distance. So I never knew a bus route or a train route until I went to college. Did you go grow up? Because I, I had a friend in college and her dad lived in Brooklyn and was like one of those people who like, it wasn't him specifically, but he like had friends who like were born and raised in Brooklyn and had never and never and would never go to Manhattan. Like, Brooklyn that was like a whole other world. for me. Like, yeah. there was no reason for me to go to Manhattan. Um, because, like I said, there was, like, a park right across from my house. Um, a 20-minute walk took you to a bigger park where there was a soccer field, baseball field, track field. Most people will know it as McCarran Park. Um, so I grew up going there. And there was always things to do. It was, like, back in the day where we played on the streets. We didn't go to movie theaters and things like that. Um, if we A 20-minute walk took you down Manhattan Avenue where you had Rite Aid, you had a bunch of uh, discount clothing stores like Rainbow. And so like you didn't need to venture out, you know, but there were no colleges in my area, uh, save for one, and they didn't have what I wanted. So I had to eventually venture out. I ended up going to school in the city, which was about a 17 minute train ride from my house. And then I spent all my weekends in Manhattan after that. Being like, how come no one told me about how great this little New York thing is? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It is. It's a whole bunch of different worlds in one. It's one of the most diverse cities. Like my block where I'm living now, though it is a suburban area, you have Indian on the same block. By the way, like within a two house radius, right? You've got Indian, Chinese, Italian. There's like a Polish family that lives down the block that just moved in. There's Trinidadian. There's Guyanese, and it's just like all on one block. And, and that brings never, it- you won't find that anywhere else. And it brings in food. Yeah. Oh, everybody. Like, you walk down the block, and I'm like, who's cooking curry? And I'm like, probably everyone on the block. Um, Whereas growing up in Brooklyn, you don't really have that smell, not in the Polish area that I was in. Like, you would smell, like, bread and, like, you know, cupcakes, things like that, but not, like, house meals. You know what I mean? So so there is a huge difference. And, like, where I grew up in Brooklyn, you'd hear more of, like, the pop and rock music, and then growing up here, uh, well, being here now, it's like a car is passing and there's like an Indian Bollywood remix coming from the car and I hear myself bop into it. And I'm like, yeah, mm. that's my song from that movie and this is the thing that happened. And then I go to Matt, oh, I have the movie downstairs. We need to watch it. So, One of my uh, good friends, uh, Benji from college, like he grew up in Manhattan and like, but for him, you know, he just grew up or whatever, but like, and he, for whatever reason, it had this effect on him where like he loves the suburbs. He actually, uh, mm-hmm. we went to school together in Vermont, and now we actually both ended up living in the same town in Rhode Island in a weird consequence of events. But like, he would come visit my family where I grew up in Meriden, and I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, it's Meriden. He's like, this is amazing. I'm like, dude, this sucks. There's nothing. It's like it's Burger King and a strip mall, and like, like you live in like he grew up in Alphabet City. He's like, yeah, but again, it's oh, like that yeah. thing. Also, he was very dangerous when he lived there. But I guess it's like that thing. You always, but it always like has that reminder to me. It's like whatever you, you always want, what you don't have, right? <laughs> yeah, that's true too. Like it, it's it's funny because I I actually prefer suburbia over um where I used to live. It's just you know it's different when you live there your whole life and it and then you come to a place where there's no noise and you're just like finally a peace of mind. You know, I, I grew yeah. up. Like in Greenpoint, your houses are kind of smashed together. One house is connected to the next, connected to the next. Whereas here where I live now, it's it's not like that. It's your house 
there is a driveway between your house and the neighbor's house and no one can hear what's going on inside. Everybody has fences up so they're not they're, everybody's minding their own business. Where, you know, whereas when you grow up in urban houses where houses are close together, everybody knows everybody's business, you know everybody in the neighborhood. And it can be a good thing, but then a bad thing, because then when you break up with your boyfriend, he's two houses down. And it's like, yeah. that's really awkward. It's, not a, it's always, me, thank God, knock on wood. <laughs> it, just, it, always, it, it, it always makes me think it's just so funny of how, like, the bigger the city, the smaller town, the, a neighborhood just turns into a small town. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Because especially when you go to school with the same people from elementary all the way up to high school, and you're like, I have seen you every day for the past 18 years of my life. Please go away. And then all of the baggage gets carried, too. So, like, one mistake you make in elementary that got you bullied goes straight through high school with Mm -hmm. you, and you're like, I just want a fresh start. And then you get older and realize that um, everyone's like, uh, it's like many, many, many people don't grow past that stage. And it's just like a continuation. Yeah. Yeah. Or or they'll come with you with the, oh, we were just kids. Yeah, but your impact on me was not a kid impact. Like you messed me up. Yeah. You know? So it's like where you may see it as innocent, like, oh, I was just joking around. To me, I took it very seriously. Like you weren't joking around. You know, just, just, just like um, man, I, so I'm my high school so far beyond me. I'm like I don't even know when it. I'm trying to think. I was like I think I made like 20 years out, but like I remember the the first year I turned 21, like the year that like me and my friends were all 21. I, we were back home in the town like the night before Thanksgiving in the town that we all went to high school in, and it was like an unofficial high school reunion, oh, and just awesome. being like, I was the whole time that people are talking to me. I'm like, dude, we. We, we, we never knew each other back then. We don't have to have this, like, faux, fake bullshit conversation right now. We don't like each other. We've never liked exactly. each other. Exactly. I, I, I liked high school, but, like, I, I mean, it's it's not – I mean, I'm 35. At this point, it's not my reference points. Of, uh, I, right. You know, and though, I, though I, I did talk – I have friends from high school, and one of them I was talking to, my friend Don, um, who's been on here, was just at Disney World, and he was at the Star Wars uh, – whatever it's called. The Star Wars – Galaxy's Edge. Yeah, he was sending me pictures. With, he was sending me pictures with him and his family, and I'm like, dude, can you imagine, like, when we were in high school, thinking that one day you'll be married with kids and be at Star Wars Galaxy Edge? Because, like, at that point in our life, both of those were equally unbelievable things that we would yeah. like. And his wife is just like the most amazingly wonderful, beautiful, inside and out kind of person, and it's just like, uh, like they're just they're so. I'm just, but it's like in high school, like we're we gonna be single forever, and Star Wars will never ever, and, and there'll never be another Star Wars movie again. <laughs> and then, and then uh, there are many more, and everyone hates those too. So you really can't win. <laughs> no, you can't win. No, you can't. No. Until we got Baby Yoda. No, oh, Baby Yoda. That Baby Yoda does sound to me, man. I I love that Baby Yoda. No spoilers, man. No spoilers. We're gonna catch up this weekend. Come hella high water. <laughs> I'm bad because I love it and I watch it, but I'm like, I don't know if I could spoil it if I tried. Because I, I think yeah, the the crew, as we'll call them, always gets mad because I mix up some of the characters and the robots, and I can't figure out what to. Like I didn't know the Mandalorian. I, I don't know the robots either. Don't feel bad. Like, like Victoria had a connect shit because like, so, like we're watching like the last episode and then I was like, oh wait, the Mandalorian's not a robot, and like I thought she was gonna rip my head off. <laughs> to be fair, like when we're watching this, I'm like pretty high and like 
So like, well, you know, and it's not unbelievable to think a Mandalorian's a real fucking robot. The whole movie, the whole the whole TV show has robots. I wasn't wrong. <laughs> oh, jeez. But that baby, oh, fucking baby. Have you seen the pictures floating around of online of, like, Werner Herzog holding the baby Yoda like a baby? It's just so weird. I don't know if I've seen those. There's famous ones of, like, I don't Lucas. Think have uh, I know there's, there's one of Lucas holding it, but it's just, like... You're gonna just, have to send that over. I'll have to find it. Unless I made it. But now I'm like, did I make that up? Because I know there's the one of Lucas holding it, but um, I think I've seen one of Werner Herzog as well. Yeah, I don't think I've seen either of those, so uh, I'm definitely yeah, definitely send those over. That's funny. Did you did you guys <laughs> did you both see uh, last no what was it called the Rise of the Skywalker? Yes. Did you like it? Yeah. Of course I saw it. Who do you think you're talking to? I'm insulted. <laughs> you know, wasn't it? Uh, didn't we see it before you? Or was that last Jedi that we saw before okay, you saw? We got sick, or else we would have went. I yeah, I it, had a really bad it? case of I was sick for two weeks. Ron and Papa left that part out, and they were uh, ragging on you for it. <laughs> yeah, they Wait, left because they knew we were sick and down for the count. Because I actually yeah. missed the last two days of work before oh, no. Christmas break. Yeah, I, and then we saw I did not get better until when, like after New Year's Day, at least. Yeah, yeah. I didn't get better until like New Year's Day. They I was saw really it. down for the count. They all saw it together. We saw it. Um, we have a friend who like rents out the movie theater and then like sells like X amount of tickets. So we've done it for the last three, and it, it's been really, it's been really fun. But like, that uh, sounds so, really fun. Yeah, it was really cool. So then they we saw. We recently the saw day. Bad Boys for Life. I never saw any of those. Oh, do yourself a justice and watch them. They are freaking hilarious. I'm a bad movie watcher. Like I have to see it like in theaters, or else it's like never gonna happen. Oh man, but definitely go see Bad Boys for Life. You don't even need to see the other movies before you see yeah. this one. What me and Alex for some reason I was like, yeah, sure, I'll see Hobbs and Shaw, and it was like, nah. Oh no, 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 no. See, Hobbs and Shaw is just mindless, driving, Fast and Furious crap. Can't do it. Bad Boys for Life. There is a story. There is plot. There is laughter, and there's shooting. Like the the time oh. I, I I like the old, the one of the times I like no story the best is uh, John Wick. Cause like they're like they don't. I don't really like. Oh crap! I'm gonna get hell for this. Anybody um, who listens to this, I don't like Keanu Reeves. Oh, that's the sound of the podcast ending. I don't like Keanu Reeves. I don't think he's good looking. Um, I I I don't like Keanu Reeves. Sorry, wow. guys. I, I not even kill the sales of my books or anything, but not, not a even Keanu the. Uh, not even as Duke Kaboom in um, Toy Story 4. Mm, I haven't seen Toy Story 4 yet, so I'll have to give you that decision later on this weekend. I think he's going to win you over. <laughs> All right, we'll see. I mean, I did like the Matrix movies. Um, I think he's a good actor. I just, I, I don't think that he's like the sexiest man in the world. The same way I don't think John Legend is either. So, oh, wait, you're, you're telling me that you don't like Dog Star, Keanu Reeves' famous band where he plays bass? No, I don't. Sorry, I just. Sorry. I'm not even that big of a, a, a Reeves fan. I, I I like him, but I I I don't really. Though he was, you know what? He did pop up in that movie on Netflix. Uh, Always be my maybe. That was really funny with uh, Ali Wong and Randall Park. It, it, if you like like a really cheesy rom com with like good comedians, okay. it's really good. It's 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 sweet. It's very like it's very like it knows it's a rom com. Okay. 
Yeah, like, I'll, I'll look into that then. I mean, should I also say that, like, I've never seen Forrest Gump either? So I mean, as well, like, just plummet myself down into the earth at this point. Uh, it's a hell tonight. <laughs> I never saw that. I mean, Forrest Gump's good. I mean, I don't know. I'm like, not... There is a reason I've never seen it, though. Like, I will be honest with every one of you guys. So I have not seen Forrest Gump because in college we had to do a psych of personality class. And we were able to choose from a slew. Like, this list was, there was pretty good stuff on it. I chose Sybil, and 19 of my classmates chose Forrest Gump, and they all chose the same damn scene. Oh, God. And we all had to present because it's part of our grade. So, when the same scene is getting shown over and over and over in the span of a three hour course, you just kind of want to shoot yourself at the end. Oh, sure. I remember when I was younger, for for some reason, like between school and whatever reason, I, un, against my will, had to see the John Travolta movie Phenomenon. Like, I've never a lot. seen it. I, I don't think anyone did. I, I honestly don't think... I've never really, even heard of Phenomenon. It, it wasn't good. But like... Okay. And maybe it was, but I remember just hating, because it was like, I, saw, I don't know how I saw it. It was like summer camp or something. And then it was like a substitute teacher. There was like a month. It was like that and like Armageddon. We had to see like over and over and over. Wow. And it made me hate it forever. John Travolta, no, weird guy. I, I mean, he, he's a great actor too. Um, You know, he, but he was good in he, what is that? In Greece? He was good in Greece. And Gotti. <laughs> yeah. I haven't seen a lot of his movies either. I mean, I'm, I'm like, man... I, Elvis, though, I'll watch any movie he's in as crappy as it is. <laughs> it's Elvis. Yeah. Travolta did the uh, the People vs. O.J. Simpson. That was a really good. But, like, I'm not a big... That he's was a- good. I, I saw Wild Hogs, too, in theaters. Like, I thought that was alright. That I wasn't too bad. It. Yeah. I'm, I've, I've seen some pretty embarrassing movies. Because, like, I like a good $5 Tuesday. <laughs> okay. No, that's you like know a- what? Sometimes those are the best movies. My favorite movie, though, is a really old movie. Um... Oh, crap. Mom's going to kill me because I forget who, like, the lead actress's name is. But the name of the movie is They Drive by Night, and she murders her husband. And as she's sitting on trial, the garage door is, like, flashing through her mind, and it's opening and closing. And she kind of just loses her touch with reality. And she starts screaming in the courtroom, the doors made me do it. The doors made me do it. And I'm just like, yeah, this is a really crazy good movie. Like, I like this. So I like the crazier movies, it seems. Sure, sure, sure. Like, Shutter Island was, like, the shit, too, with Leonardo DiCaprio. Oh, I was just thinking about that, because that came out the same, like, month as Inception. Because, like, I saw it, and I was like, oh, this is so good. And then Inception came out, and I completely forgot about Shutter Island. Shutter Island boggled me to the point where... I have never. I didn't even know it was a novel until the movie came out. First of all, and I normally do not like. I normally do not watch the movie before I read the book. So that mm-hmm. was like the first time where I was like, "Oh crap! I made a mistake. Now I have to go read the book." I read the book, and again, my psychology background was showing effortlessly. This whole book was covered in post-its. Like I, I mean, like on every single page, it was ridiculous the amount of post-its this book had. And then I went back and watched the movie, and I have never seen a movie follow the book so closely. It was like the first time I've ever seen that. I think they filmed that around here. Did they? That would—that's really. I cool. think it. I think it was in Massachusetts. I forgot exactly where. 
it was stellar. That was one of his best performances. And one of his, like, all-time best to him and Johnny Depp, and I feel like they should have gotten a damn Oscar for it, um, was What's Eating Gilbert Grape. Oh, that's right. That was, like, the movie that put him on the map. That movie was stellar. And, you know... The, the book is amazing, too. I read the book before I watched the movie because I, I didn't even know about the movie until I found the book. Um, and I went and I watched it. And you're talking about what Leo must have been, 14, 15, playing a mentally challenged boy. And it was just spot on. I'm like, how did this man not get an Oscar I don't even care that he was younger younger than most actors who were up for awards that year. He deserved it for that. Has he won one by now? Because that was like a thing forever. Like he would never win. I think he he won one yeah, a couple he, years ago for the didn't Revenant. Didn't he win for um the yeah that's right for the, for the Revenant that, where he had to sleep in the bearskin for a couple days. Yes, that's what it was called. The uh, Alejandre Inuit is his name. So much the guy more that he should have gotten an Oscar for that. I, it's just mind-boggling that it took him that long because Titanic was amazing. Then you have movies like Inception, Shutter Island, and he's such a diversatile actor. Like he can do the Romeo and then be the murderer. You know, so it's like yeah, it, it was like a thing. Oh, is it Zac Efron? Yeah, it, it's Button. Zac Efron. It should it should have been Leo. Yeah, like, I remember that was like a. Like, the Academy, like, did not like him. Like, my theory is that he probably slept with somebody's wife, and that's why he never got an Oscar for a long time. Like, he oh, pissed baby. off somebody. I mean, I, that stuff's yeah. all kind of weird anyway. You know what? He is a squeaky clean guy. I mean, what what bad can you say about Leo except for that he doesn't date girls his age? Yeah, I think that's you probably know, I don't it. think there's anything wrong you can say about Leo. I mean, he's, he's an environmentalist. He speaks out uh, almost about everything that you'd want him to speak out about. I mean, he he bought his own island just to save it from, like, people demolishing it. So, I, I mean, and he, I mean, he is building a resort on it. I mean, but I, I heard it's supposed to be a, a 100% energy-efficient resort. Like, I not... Like, it's definitely look into that. I don't... I'm trying to think what else he was in, but, like, I... I, I don't like no. I mean, I knew he was like in growing pain. He was in this boy's life with Robert De Niro too, and he didn't win for that. Where he was abused by Robert De Niro, and then he he beats the crap out of De Niro at the end. Damn. And again, he plays like a fourteen, fifteen year old boy in that movie. There was that one, Basketball Diaries, is so underrated too about him being on drugs and doing whatever he could for it. Like that's a pretty big deal, and he was young. He again, he was like fourteen. I try to, I, yeah, no. he's go Leo, go Leo, but now, now he's you know he's. I thought I mean for me, Inception will always be his, my favorite of his work. Oh yeah, that, that, that movie. movie you can watch it a million times and still find out new things, Whoever which I think is that, why I like Shutter Island so much because they're kind of similar in that respect. Yeah, and they came out like the same week or the same month. Like they came out the exact. Yeah, time. Like they were just, they were very much back to back. Because Inception like really uh, overshadowed Shutter Island. Because like, oh, it, absolutely. Who Absolutely. made Shutter Island? I forget who the director was, but I know the author of the book is Dennis Lehane. And he okay. also wrote Mystic River. Oh, I saw that movie. 
Yeah, Mystic Pizza. I was just a Mystic, and I was like, and we were, we were, we went by Mystic Pizza. I'm like, oh, that's where they filmed the movie Mystic Pizza. They're like, don't you mean Mystic River? Because it was like, I, it's an old movie. I don't even know if it's good, but it was like the big deal because they filmed it in Mystic. But they're like, don't you mean Mystic right. River? I was like, no. I mean yeah. Mystic Pizza, but I don't even know no, if that's Mystic even. Mystic River was good too. That was that was great. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Um, no oh, shit. We already hit the hour. That was fast. Oh shit, we did. <laughs> that was fast. So, um, like let me. And four minutes. So and so, what, 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 what do you? How many books have you written? I have written. That's that's a loaded question, my dude. Um, no, I have. How many have you published? I have published. Um, seven, if you include the books that I unpublished for now, they, they will be out later this year once they are revamped. And I am currently working on that diligently. So they will be right back out into the field. Matt is redoing the covers. Um, and they are looking banging. Like I cannot, like, if you see the before and after pics of these covers, you're going to be like, what the hell oh, happened to Matt in the past four years? Cause he designs all my covers. Right from the beginning. So, if someone wants to jump into the Amy Shea universe, where do they start? What, where, what would you say? Start with the lat most recent, or like what? What, what, what do you recommend? Where do you, where do you well, send it, people? It depends on what you guys are looking for. So, if you're looking for something you can relate to, um, like if you need, I have a short story collection that focuses on second chances and hope that focuses around substance abuse, self harm, depression. Um, drugs and alcohol, um, then you would start out with If You're Listening. And it is a short story collection of about six or seven different short stories. Um, if you're looking about getting it over an emotionally abusive relationship and the toll that can take on you, you would start with Have Mercy or Silence. If you're looking for something fantasy, you definitely want to pre-order The Broken Daughter. So it really just depends on what genre you're looking for. Excellent. Uh, so, um, well, thank you so much for doing this. Um, where can people find you online? So um, you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, and um, Amazon as well. You can follow me on there. Um, just search for the name Amy Shea. It's A-I-M-E-E. Shea is S-H-A-Y-E. And you'll see the book cover of The Broken Daughter is my profile pic across the board. And if it's not that, it's my logo with a crescent moon and the letters A and S made by Mr. Matthew Kucinich of Sentinel Design. Hello, potential listeners. My name is The Vern, and I'm the host of the Cinema Recall Podcast. On most shows, myself, along with some great guests, we will talk about a movie and then some of the most iconic moments that happened in said movie. On top of that, you'll get bonus shows where I will give you short reviews about new and classic movies, or I'll just rant and rave about something going on in the entertainment industry. So come check us out. We're available on Anchor, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, most other places. Don't forget to follow us on social media. On Twitter, we're at Cinema underscore Recall. And then on Facebook, Instagram, we are Cinema Recall Podcast. Uh, don't forget to email us your ad spots to play on future episodes. That email is cinemarecall at gmail.com. Hope to see you around, and thank you very much for listening.